What's happening, everyone? It's Kyle for the Magpie Twenty Four Seven podcast. Now, this is a little bit later than expected, but I done a video on it last night. Paul did a video on it uh, just a couple of hours ago, but we've came together to do a podcast on the Tottenham game yesterday, um, and we're going to talk a little bit about the Newport game as well. But we're mainly going to be talking about Tottenham this week, Paul. We've hit episode twenty-one. <laughs> twenty-one. Yeah. It's a uh, big birthday time. We've became an adult. Puberty's all done, all done and dusted with. Time to crack on. Uh, <laughs> time to get a job now. <laughs> time to get a job. We've nearly finished uni, unless you're May 23 and in me last year. But um, I, it's uh, time to crack on, get a job, find a wife, and uh, live the dream, as it would be. But <laughs> um, no, we're Newcastle. I mean, after the Everton game, Paul, if you remember a couple of months ago, we described that as the wankiest performance we'd ever seen. Now, Yesterday, a little bit of competition for that very game against Everton on the Tuesday night. <laughs> Which one would you say was the luckier result, uh, Tottenham or Everton? Because both of them were very, very similar performances. It it was. Um, it's a very difficult one to judge. I said yesterday when I was summing it up at half time, it was like putting your knackers in a vice <laughs> and having them gradually tightened and tightened and squeezed. Uh, for any blokes out there now who's absolutely uh, feeling that, um, it was it was horrific Bruce Ball uh, football. Um, we were just as bad against Everton, but I think we needed a little bit more luck. We were 2-0 down, if you remember, in that game with 90 minutes uh, on the clock. We came back to draw that one 2-2. Two, two. So that take, took two miracles. Yesterday, despite having no shots on target, we actually got a point, which is, that is a miracle in itself, but it was just the one goal because of Spurs' uh, sloppiness. So, I think it's slightly, literally, ant stick or, yeah, I don't know, um, <laughs> Pickford's arms. I think <laughs> by that sort of margin, I think you would say that Everton was probably the luckiest. Plus, with the injuries we had, the fact that we had so many central defenders literally playing every position, probably even in goal, uh, I would say the Everton one is slightly a little bit more. But th- yesterday was excruciating to watch and experience. It, it was, was the diarrhea of football. Uh, you talk about sexy football under Rude Hullet. Kevin Keegan and the entertainers, it's um, it's Steve Bruce and the shits because that is the version of football that we are playing at the moment. It's absolutely, oh, it's 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 gut rot level. It really, really is. Well, but, uh, it's, it's hilarious that we did it against Spurs after all because Karma is a bitch. Exactly. If our if our type if our brand of football was a woman, Paul, it would be Gemma Collins. Let's be honest. Do you know what I mean? It's it's hardly the days of rude hullet, uh, sexy football in abbreviated commas, or actual sexy football under Kevin Keegan and uh, very good football under under uh, Sir Bobby Robson. May rest in peace. But um, yeah, I don't want to uh, bullshit anyone. Obviously, we we're, were very very lucky to get a draw yesterday. Uh, we'll go into the first half, Paul. They use his knackers in a vice. I just didn't see the game plan from, from the get go. Um, we kind of sat him on third and hoped Tottenham would go easy on what kind of thing. It was just we couldn't even of... work the formation out, Kyle. Before that game, could you work out what the formation was going to be? Well, no, I because... tweeted out. Um, I tweeted out what formation is it? Is it 4 3 3? Is it 4 2 3 1? Is it 4 4 2? Is it wing box? What on earth is going on? It, it, it was like different things. It was, it was crazy, Paul. It was literally, it, it, you know, 
we've gone from a master tactician like like Rafa Benitez, who's meticulous in his planning and his detail and his reports and your sports science and all that sort of thing, to Steve Bruce, who will sit there and have a kebab and just say, just throw a ball in between a lot of them and tell them to get on weight. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, uh, it's so frustrating because we've got a talented group of uh, you know footballers. Imagine a Rafa Benitez with this quality of play. So frustrating, but we still play in the same level of desperation football at times that a newly promoted club does. You know, look at yeah. Brighton, Kyle. Look at Brighton and the game plan. Even even in defeat against Manchester United, they went down swinging yesterday. Literally, it's just cross everything. <sighs> Hope that your keeper plays a blinder, which he which he did. I think that's the more saves by a keeper him since, soon, yeah. since Tim Cruel repeated the same feat at Tottenham at White Hart Lane previously for us. Um, and then it's it's just hoof the ball and hope we get a, a counter-attack going. It, it's, it's not anything. I mean, I was playing football manager the other day and there isn't a tactic on that system that suits what Steve Bruce does. So how, how they're going to do it on FM21, I just don't know. Because it, 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 he talks about kebabs a lot, but it looks like a kebab. It's just lots of shit hoyed in and all wrapped <laughs> up and away you go. But there was no formations, no tactics. And we were riding by the seat of our fucking pants for that entire first 45 minutes. And like you've said it, I've said it, it was literally knackers and advice for the entire 45 minutes. Uh, it was. And like you say, is a plan with uh, hold up that like boot the ball up. But even then, if Callum Wilson had took the ball down, there nothing there. What's he going to do? Win a foul or hold the ball for twenty seconds while the the rest of the team plunge up the field? It was just bizarre to me. It was so easy for Tottenham. And even then, when you're playing counter attacking football, you, you you usually press the opposition, and that was the problem for me. We didn't press them at all, not even in one half. So if you're gonna Try and counter-attack. Isn't the point of counter-attacking is trying to force the team into an error, get the ball and hit them on and the counter? But yeah. we, didn't, we, we didn't do that. It was route one mixed with um, park the bus. So Bruce was kind of just accepting, right, you're the worst team, try and get an nil-nil draw. When Tottenham scored that first goal, it was as good as we're getting beat. Like, there wasn't a change in game plan, nothing. First half was awful. And no my reaction ma- to my, no reaction. Man of the, my man of the match by an absolute street has got to be called Darlow. And on this very podcast, Paul, we've actually, you know, we, we've maybe doubted called Darlow a little bit. Maybe has he has he is he past his is he past his prime at Newcastle now? Is it is it a case of does he move on to play regular football, which I feel he still deserves? Uh, maybe at high championship level. Or maybe even low Premier League level, uh, similar like a, full, a Fulham who just got be three nil of Aston Villa, and they, they could do for goalkeeper, and Dollar will probably fit the bill. Um, and he come, and we've we've said Gillespie in the preview even yeah, should probably play, and we we'll hold our hands up and Dollar for proving we're wrong. Fair enough, but. You know, he, he it's was got a mean chant, though, Andy. You know what I'm like for a good <laughs> chant. I do like the Darlow chant. Yeah. I do sing it in the car, and I, obviously, I'll get a crack when I do like. But um, and then the person I felt sorry for uh, most yesterday was actually Wilson because he, he must have known exactly how Joe Linton felt last season. So yeah. isolated, just stood up there by himself, trying to run, trying to do stuff. 
But yeah, I mean, the man of the match had to be Darlow. I mean, we've talked about Dubravka saving us more times than Batman and Superman and, you know, anybody else you'd like to mention. Um, but again, yesterday, he was literally like a man possessed. He knew that A, the pressure was on him. B, he'll know that Martin Dubravka is probably going to be back, back after the international break. He knows that Mark Gillespie is breathing down his neck to push yeah. him all the way for second choice and potentially first choice at the moment. So the, the pressure was on the lad. And I've, I have been a bit a bit um, sceptical. So yeah, a bit of a critic of his. But a lot of the time, you know, I think of some of the games now and I think of like West Brom, the Cup games last year, and he takes a shot. And in some games you think, oh, if Dubravka was in, he'd have saved that. But yesterday, the biggest compliment I can give to him is he got to this and made the save that I thought Dubravka would make. Yeah. And I just thought it was great. And I mean, some people have jumped on the bandwagon. Oh, he should be playing for England. He's better than Pickford. And of, of course, like I say, my <laughs> grano gets mentioned quite often on this podcast. She's better than Jordan Pickford. She's got regular sized arms. You know, she's got regular sized arms. She ain't got dwarf arms or T Rex arms. Um, you know, anybody would be better than. Um, that Macam reject, but yet yesterday he was simply flawless. He was a man possessed. Um, I saw the cells going over him and kept, you know, jeering him up and stuff. Having Richie there for the beginning of the game, I think helps as well because he's not anybody who will let somebody take it easy. He's constantly with no crowd there. He's trying to whip the, the lads up into some sort of uh, further and you know trying to get some sort of reaction from them. So I think that helps as well. But Brilliant. I mean, saves, good shots. Not just that, but he, he made um, he made saves, and then he made another save straight away. So it's the ability to get back up, yeah. and deal with the you know the second situation so so quick. Um, that was so yeah, in, well, in the game well as well. That, well was, done, that, was, that was two, three minutes in the game where you had to make the double save. Um, but you you mentioned Matt Ritchie, and I think he deserves a little bit of stick for the goal that we conceded, mate, because he was uh, in the right defensive position to deal with it. Uh, he was in front of the defender. He had a yard on him. Easy. Uh, it's just a case of put the ball out and it goes out for a corner at Tottenham. Um, but he he just he miscalculates it. And it's a... It's starting to become a more of a more of a regular occurrence for Richie making mistakes. I mean, I'm not I'm not gonna um write him off and say he's a poor player on that anymore. Of course not. Um he's the hardest working um player by some distance in terms of oh, how much course. he puts in. Um but he's he's had a he's had a couple of tumbles recently and I hope he can bounce back because there is that competition now in the team and obviously left back Jamal Lewis, the winger positions are already taken, so I don't want Matt Ritchie losing out positions in the team because he's making stupid errors. Uh, something very un-Matt Ritchie-like. So I hope he See, gets back on the horse and gets back amongst mm, it. I would just say, though, with also, when you think about Matt Ritchie and you think about the positions that he can play on, on, on a football pitch, he is definitely not a left-back. He is a midfielder, an attacking player who's played a lot of football recently in the final third of the pitch asked to drop in at left back. Now I remember back in the day growing up, uh, I think Dion Dublin, and he used to be a fantastic striker. But when needs must, and later on in his career, he dropped back a lot of the time to be centre back. Now I just don't think you can go in a game from being a, a striker, a, a specialist, or a winger, which is a specialist role, to being a centre back or a left back or a right back. You just you just can't. It's very very rare that the only 
there's only a few, very few players who can comfortably just say, oh, I'll play that position or I'll play that position. Um, you look at like famously people like Alan Shearer, who started the career out playing in a different position, ended as a striker. You yeah. look uh, at other players, Aaron Hughes could play centre-back, could play CDM, could play right-back, left-back. Or even, very... or even non-Newcastle, mate. Uh, John O'Shea played in every single position for Man United in his career. Yeah. Um, so, like those players are across the board. You need them type of players that can play everywhere. And I don't think Richie's good in every position, but Richie would play in every one of them positions if you asked him to. He's he's a he's a great professional, and he'll always try his very best. You're going to get an honest performance all day long, and that's something that not all players, certainly, who's pulled that black and white shirt on, looks at the likes of Lazar and stuff like that. Who who that is their position, but you can't be trusted. No. So no. we happen to rely on. Uh, Matt Ritchie, because the balance of the squad, let's face it, it still isn't right. Um, we have, you know, he's been asked to play as a, an attacking midfielder one week and then drop back, and it, it takes time to get used to it and to get that mindset, you know. And, and I was always told at school, and I I grew up with the famous Arsenal defence and all of that. You've got to be an absolute whore to keep a clean sheet. You've That's got what I've been telling you at school, Paul. Christ. Yeah, well, this, this, this is the thing. You know what I mean? But you've got to be literally pimping yourself out and all you are concerned about, you're not concerned about scoring goals, you're, not you're worried about your pace of play and you've got to be obsessive about keeping clean sheets. And sometimes in some defenders, you can see that they're absolutely obsessed with it. Yeah. Even if they're winning 5-0 and then they concede one, they're pissed off and you'll see people having a go at each other and like a Tony Adams will be going to have a go at David Seaman type thing. Um, or, you know, that's what they were always good at. They were absolutely obsessed. They didn't care about scoring. They were obsessed with defence. Just like Shearer, when he was in the box, that chance that Joe Linton missed in the cup, he would never have missed that because he wouldn't have said, I'm going to leave it for my mate because I think he's going to score. No, he was absolutely obsessed with putting that ball in the net. He doesn't care whether you're one yard out you're 20 or 30 yards out, it doesn't matter. You become a specialist. And I just think that when you keep moving a player around, you are weakening them because you're changing the mentality and it's just not right. And I don't think he's got the right mentality to play left back. I think at a push, he's decent at left wing back with a free uh, playing, a proper free, not a cent again, not a, a central midfielder playing in defence, a proper free. He can do a bit better on that, but you're right, defensively, his positioning can be all over the place and he's better in the final third and being a team leader and being an ambassador yeah, than, sure. than anything else. And Yeah, he'll hold his hands up, but it, I'm just gutted for the lad. He's, he's obviously going to need an operation, his shoulder and everything else like that. Yeah. Um, and I think we're better for having the likes of Matt Ritchie on the training pitch, on the bench, around the first-team squad, pushing some of these other players because there's no doubt playing in these empty stadiums it's impacting with the quality of the football and stuff like that it's it's alien it's alien so yeah get get uh, get well soon Matt let's get you back in um, so you can start calling some of the ref, refs we dick again 100% mate um, Richie didn't have the best of games but no, I, go, I, I agree with the sentiment hopefully he does get better soon but the last thing I want to touch on, I hope you um, agree with us on this one, but like with, with Jolin, and I mentioned this in my video, uh, you mentioned it quite briefly as well, Paul. We've got a good yeah. centre forward there in Callum Wilson. Um, and in that first half, he found 
the same problems as what Joel Linton did last season, where he was just kind of alone, uh, uh, lonely. Uh, basically, the Martian. If you've seen that film with um, mm. what's his face, man, um, it's gonna it's gonna kill us that one. Now. Matt Damon, um, where he's just on his own. With Looks like Bloody Bear Grylls up top, doesn't he, in the middle of Antarctica <laughs> drinking his own piss? Oh, yeah. Basically, mate, he could have pitched a tent. And it, oh, yeah. I just felt so sorry for him. We didn't cause any problems to that Tottenham defence up until Andy Carroll came on, um, which was about 70, 80 minutes in. And we've said on this podcast, and we've got 100% right, Andy Carroll is better as an impact sub. So, Bruce, if you're listening... Well done for listening to her. But if you're also listening, can you please leave so we can get a better manager, please? <laughs> no, uh, for the, all those that are pro Bruce and that, don't worry, I'm not, I'm not hounding for his head. It's just what, um... what are you on about? What are you on about, Kyle? For all those that are pro Bruce, his mother doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> Goodness me, I know that. Oh, hey, but um, no, if 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 he is, I mean. Obviously, he needs to listen to the to the technical wherewithal of uh, the the mighty Tom Kyle Thompson and Paul absolutely because uh, we're extraordinaires on on football manager and you've even managed in in real life Paul so and we've uh, we've captained and slash managed a two one victory over Middlesbrough fan TV although that was um, quoted in controversy to say the very least so we're we're well we're well we're well educated on the subject don't you worry about that but. Um, no, the, the the problem that we had um, going forward was he, he was all on his own, and even then we we're just we we're parked on the bus, but we we're so open at the same time because Spurs were were just ha- hammering, we weren't pressuring the ball. It was just attack on attack on attack, and Wilson tried the best he could to make little runs here and there, but it was very reminiscent of seeing Joel Linton last season um, having this very very similar problems. And to be honest, Paul, I'll go on to Joel Linton regarding this. He played really well. Again, he's had he had a really. I think he, I think he had his best week as a Newcastle player last week. Um, he did brilliant against um, Morgan. Obviously, it's Morgan. You've you've got to you've got to make say can he do it at a higher level? But the palm on the left, and he seems more natural in that position to me. Um, he looked like he, he applied himself more. Richie, who was fairly poor on that left hand side at left back, a position not his. Joel Linton seemed to look after him well, which is a sentence I didn't think I'd hide together this season at all. Uh, he had a couple of good runs. There was a there was a, a bit in the game where he's, he was at the corner flag and he turned the two players. And I was thinking, whoa! <laughs> I was thinking, is this, is this like, as LaSalle said, when the goal went in the second one against Morgan, is that the Brazilian in you? Is this the Brazilian that, we've, we've, that we should know and love? The, the thing is, though, they've said all along, to be fair to Steve Bruce, to give him a little bit of credit, they see a different player on the training pitch and it's psychological and it's pressure. And it could well be that the pressure of playing so isolated up top, which is an alien concept to the lad, because you look at these previous clubs and he was playing in twos or threes and he was playing off, you know, off on the left-hand side. The pressure was too much. And now he's playing a little bit more of his natural game and he's just playing rather than overthinking it and rather trying, you know, before last season, he was doing things which are probably alien to him that C. Bruce has asked him to do rather than exploiting them for the the the, the better for, for our team, but playing them in a position where he's confident, a confident player is always going to be much more of a prep. But 
I, I felt, I mean, apart from the fact that he did a spear on um, on the on the lad for Spurs for the free kick that led to the goal, which was, was class. It was absolutely, yeah, it was great. I mean, like um, an edge or somebody like that would be really, really happy with that. It was like an <laughs> attempted spear. Um, <laughs> because I don't understand why the referee get that's what I mean we'll get onto that shortly but I, I can't get over how the Spurs fans aren't whinging about the free kick as opposed to the thing that was actually to the rules um, but yeah he put himself about he had a couple of decent situations he was the best outfield player yesterday and he was for Newcastle yeah, for sure so you, you can't you can't say fairer you know can't say fairer than that and long may long may continue I hope we've it's always on. Yeah. We we want we want the lad to do well. We don't want him to fail. Why would we want him to fail? You know, if he's not putting the shift in and not putting a, getting a sweat on, just like we did with Andy Carroll, we will say you're not putting a sweat on, you're not putting a shift in, you're not doing this, you're not doing that. But at the same time, Kyle, we're quite easy, like we did with Isaac Hayden when he had his his blowout and stuff like that last season. We're quite capable of putting our hands up and saying, Yeah, great, that's much better, that's fantastic. Eat the humble pie. And yep, move on. I just hope, yeah. just, hope, just hope it continues. I want Joe Linton to be a massive success at Newcastle. He spent a lot of money on him. He's Brazilian, and if he's got that sort of goal that he scored against Morecambe in his locker, yeah, sign me up. So more of that, and uh, less of the frustrated, sulky uh, person who's hoyed up front. But there is an issue to sort with Callum Wilson being left so so isolated, and I'm hoping that it's solved in a Ryan Fraser style really shortly. Yeah, I hope so as well, mate. Um, you look at the uh, the thing I want to mention, which I want to know is if he goes on to play on the left and he plays really well on the left, starts putting some consistency together, we'll start seeing signs of the player that was signed. Why? Like, surely the the book has got to go with the scouting team slash the person who signed him, the manager, um, or whoever whoever signs the players. Surely the book has got to stop with them. Why did they pay forty million pound? For a, a player that, um, it, 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 for a centre forward, given the number nine shirt, the most prestigious shirt that this club has, given a, a striker that, saying he's a striker when he's a left midfielder and, he, and he's and he's applying his trade in left midfield, but I don't understand that. Why last summer did you not go for an actual centre forward who, for forty million, you would have been able to find one or two decent ones? Um, Danny Ings Rondon. springs to mind. Rondon, Rondon. springs to mind. Um, you look, you look, you look at the other teams in the league uh, who sign strikers and done, they've done bloody well. Neil Morpay went for fifteen million uh, for to Brighton. Um, you look at these types of players who we could have signed as strikers, you know. But Jordan was brought in as a striker when his best position is clearly not centre forward. It's he's found his trade on the left. Uh, from what it seems, his best performance like what, is on the left. Like what we've just said with Matt Ritchie, though, isn't it? You can't ask. Would would you ask a giraffe to to where uh, swim in the sea? No, no. You, you'd get something that can swim in the sea to swim in the sea. Would you know? You, you can't expect you can't ask a fish to 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 climb up a mountain. You've got to play to the strengths. And unfortunately, as much as it would be great if you could be master of all trades, you generally are one thing or the other, and that's why players. Imagine if you had like a David Beckham up, and you just drop into left back, and you just drop into centre back. No. Because you're a specialist right midfielder. You're a specialist set-piece taker. You wouldn't ask Cristiano Ronaldo to go into central defence because he's a specialist attacker. It's about these players are like, are like racing cars. They're highly tuned 
you know, top of the range things. So you've got to play them in the right positions. And it was the same argument with Richie. He needs to be played more often than not. And he's in his better positions, which is more further up the pitch. And Joe Linton, you can give him the number nine shirt, but all you've done with doing that is muddy the water. And it's a PR stunt because he's he's a, the, the club's record signing. We spent 40 million quid on him. And, and uh, Charlie is sat in the office and, and a little light bulb's gone on above his head and thought, I'll, we could give him the number nine, we'll flog loads of extra shirts and, and Mike will be over the moon about that, big Mike. And he might, uh, I don't know, fondle his ass or something like that or rub his head, <laughs> shine it up. <laughs> so, do you know what I mean? Like, if he's a left midfielder or an, an attacking, you know, an attacking uh, winger, then then play him there. It's down to the manager that's, now to play him not, there. Yeah. Because that's we've the seen... only way that you can judge him. We've seen the best of him in that position. Yeah, 100%. We've seen the best of Joel Linton. He's, by, in my opinion, by far and away his best Newcastle performance on that left-hand side. So it's a case now you've got to you've got to keep him there. Uh, let him get some consistency there, performance, instead of just saying, right, forward Confident. this week, left wing this week, right midfield this week, striker next week, playing off the forward next week, whatever. You kind of swap and change him. If he's going to get better and more consistent on the field, you've got to consistently play him in, the, in, a, in a position where he can get used to it and he, he, it suits him and he can help the team that way instead of being a passenger like he's being up front. But then again, is some of that to do with the system? That's probably for another podcast on its own, Paul, to be honest. But we'll yeah. crack into the second half. Tottenham hit the post twice, <laughs> I think. Um, they were going for Brighton's record set at the weekend of hitting the post five times. Christ, uh, look, his phone went off as well. That Christ, was a big Christ, moment. Christ, how um how man you got with that one with three points. I'd love to know. But um <laughs> Tottenham, Tottenham hit the post several times. They have the general bit of play, but Newcastle try and press a little bit more, and lo and behold, a little bit of pressure causes mistakes out with Tottenham. And we had a couple of nearly chances, a couple of free kicks were won. Um so we could try and get 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 that chance. And we we still didn't look like we had the, the quality to challenge Tottenham, but the effort was there to try and win the ball in midfield. And Miggy could get up the field. And um, when Carroll came on, he was the hoof ball was actually working because he could win the headers. We were better in the second half. Yeah, we're, we're, winning, we're winning the free kicks that we needed to win. And the game plan looked to be working. Now, if we'd have played that from the start, Carl Dollar wouldn't have needed to make 10 saves, Paul. He, ju he, he just wouldn't have needed to because we would have been pressing them, would have forced a mistake, and who knows, we might have got a chance earlier on. Callum Wilson might have seen more of the ball. Um, Miggy might have been able to um, get a couple of counters here and there, but ifs, buts, maybes, you know what I mean? Um, but I think the last part of the game, Andy Carroll comes on, he causes a few problems, wins them, headers in the air, gets well further up the field. And um, it's from a free kick, as you mentioned before, Joel and, and rugby tackling into someone and getting a free kick. I'm not quite sure how that was given, but um, it was given. It was never a free kick. It was never a free kick at all. <laughs> it, it, I think it was just the, the point in the game that we were at and he sort of stumbled over and he looked like out on his feet he put that much into it. Uh, but like uh, when I watched it, I was like, I see, oh, I see, spear, spear, spear. <laughs> Go, bird. <laughs> So I was like, goodness me. I thought that is proper, proper soft. Just everything crossed. I thought this, and I was just saying, I was like, it could, this could be, it could be, it could be. And I literally went mental seconds later. Aye, the ball, ball goes into the box. Andy Carroll wins the header. 
And it goes on to Eric Dyer's hand. Now, for me, um, I've already said on my video I thought this was a penalty. Um, and I'll explain it again. Um, that when I was growing up watching football, it was always down to the defender's positioning um, of his arm, regardless of the speed of the ball, his time to react, all this nonsense. If, you ha if your arm is not in a defensive position, it's seen as a penalty. Now, to me, his eyes aren't on the ball at all. Um, and, and, the ball, and, the ball, and the ball goes across and his arm's up in the air. Regardless of reaction time, he can't react to that in any way because his eyes aren't on the ball. So the referee has to give the penalty, in my opinion. I think unless it's pre-2000, where it's the very old-fashioned way of looking at it, which is um, if it's if it's not intentional, if it's intentional, give it or not give it on the base of the intention of the player. But modern football outgrew that because we found more instances of pundits and newspapers going, we've outgrown this, we need technology, we need this, we need that, things need change, we haven't got our game back. Uh, mm. It's 20 such and such, we need to, we need to advance football, it needs to have this technology, so we need VAR, we need this. Um, it, the was it was stupid, wasn't it, at the end of the day? What uh, a stupid idiot he is for Spurs. Why, Kyle, are you facing the wrong way? Why? Why exactly. are you your hands up like that? You stupid! You are. I mean, we might get shit for it, Paul, but I, I honestly believe one hundred percent it was a penalty because he's he, he's no eyes on the ball at all, and he's not going to have intention to have his hat. He's not going to have intention for for harm ball because he's not looking at the ball, and his arms all the way up here. He's doing he's halfway doing the Shearer celebration. Do you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. That to me, it's a penalty, one hundred percent. End of discussion. And I would have said the same if it was uh, Brighton versus Man United at the weekend. I would have said the same if um, it was Arsenal Liverpool. You know, it, it doesn't matter. It, it, well, it's a penalty. Harrogate was screaming like a little girl. And again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna literally slate the commentary. Sky's commentary is absolutely pure dog shit biased i don't give a damn it's awful it's garbage um and he was no no that can't be i thought the ball is hit his hand your hand is up there it's at head height it's in an unnatural position and at first you think it's yeah it's soft it is soft because and we are mugging you because we haven't had a shot at target yet we're gonna get a, a penalty kick and you've got callum wilson on the pitch so you knew there was a decent chance of a score you know scoring yeah. from it uh, my issue at first was the onside, was the offside. I thought that would have been very, very close. When I saw the goal back the first time, I was like, oh, shit. Uh, that was my worry. Um, and I can see why Spurs fans will be a little bit aggrieved because, because, because of the stage in the game and stuff. But, Kyle, if you've had 10 good chances against our defence, right, and our, our backup keeper, you've had 10 good chances. You've yeah. hit the bar on 10 times. I'd be more frustrated as a Spurs supporter. I mean, oh God, I'd probably top myself. But God forbid. I'd be, more, I'd, I'd be more annoyed as a Tottenham supporter at, our, at the inability to score the goals, despite the fact you've got Kane, you've got Son and all that sort of, and an abundance of wealth. And the attacking bird, and you've only scored one goal. And how many times have we said as Newcastle fans, when we dominate and we haven't took advantage last uh, season, then something would come and bite us in the arse and we'd end up drawing a game or losing a game that we shouldn't have. And it was exactly the same there. You, they invited that situation on. They should have been five, six, seven, eight nil up, easy, without even breaking sweat. 
but they didn't, and that was their fault. And it was their fault that their defender, uh, sorry, that they their player was lazy. He put a half-hearted uh, tackle in, uh, a challenge in, and he had his, like you say, he was doing the Alan Shearer goal celebration. He had his hand up in an unnatural uh, place. You take the risk. If you stick your arm or, you know, I don't know, stick your knob in in, uh, in, in honey and stick it in a beehive, it's going to get stung. Same as you stick it in a lion's cage, it's going to get bit. So if you stick your arm up in the penalty box and the ball hits it, don't be bloody surprised that he's given a penalty kick. Not, yeah. You shouldn't be surprised. So, yeah, Spurs uh, supporters crying, throwing headsets around like a bunch of little girls and stuff like this. <laughs> Get on with They knew the rules before the game. They had saw what had happened at um, Everton Crystal Palace. They saw what happened previously with Man United. They knew the rules. They go on courses at the beginning of every year discussing the rule changes. So they knew them. Yet he still put his hand up like an absolute galah. So I've no sympathy for him. Um, and it maybe teaches them a lesson. Karma's a bitch. Karma is a bitch. Yeah. And to be fair with the commentary again, Paul, if that was if that decision had happened for Liverpool, uh, would Jimmy Carragher went on a massive tirade against not. against uh, the FA and UEFA and whoever it was? Would he went on a massive tirade against that if, if Liverpool had won the penalty? No, he wouldn't have. Yeah. Let's call the spade a spade, he wouldn't. And and you look at Gary Lineker, his 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 tweets as well. I have a lot of respect oh, for yeah. Gary Lineker. I do. I really like his match of the day coverage. Uh, his banter with Shira is fantastic. But he's been he's been caught with his pants down here with this one. Um tweeted a couple of years ago, we're losing one game, we need technology. Um the handball rule should be regardless of uh, intent or not, if it strikes the arm, it's a penalty, no matter what. Yet, after that decision yesterday, he said, um, we need to get rid of AR, you're killing the game, uh, the handball rule needs to be changed, looking like a total and complete and utter hypocrite. And I'm sorry, uh, Lineker, you don't get much wrong, but you, you've got that massively wrong. You kind of just yeah, change, too many you kinda change too many your tune because your team has been on the end of a bad decision. I'm sorry, I'm a Newcastle fan. I've seen relegations happen because of bad decisions. I've seen I've seen we lose derbies because of bad decisions. I've seen we lose countless games because of bad decisions from a referee. But you can't just uh, change your tune for the sake of one bad decision. You can't. The, ref- the, the system on handball is skewed and it needs changed. However, regardless of the generation you look at, that yesterday was one hundred percent a penalty. It's just because it it's just because it's it's Tottenham with a lot of yeah. with a lot of this a lot of the media and a lot of the agenda around it. There might be fans I think it was a stupid decision. I personally don't think so. I think it it's was soft, a penalty. Kyle. It's soft, but by the letter of the law and by just common sense, it it, it it's it's a spot kick. You were yeah. stupid enough to have your hand up, raised and uh, yeah, I understand you're jumping you're trying to protect your space and all this sort of shit. But uh, like Andy Carroll did with a bit of banter after the game, pencil jumping. <laughs> I mean, he might not be able to, to, to score many goals or any goals since he came back, but his banter is definitely Jordy's taking the piss. Yeah, uh, but yeah it, it, it was just so funny. to to, to We should have been 8-0 down. Um, and after everything that's happened over the summer with them sticking their beaks into our business with regards to the takeover and having their little penny worth and they didn't want the, the apple cart rocked and for Bruce to literally roll in with Bruce Ball 101 
and um, <laughs> not to have a shot on a target against Phil Scott. It's amazing. It's it was literally. I mean, I was Mike Ashley was in the in the stands. I was surprised he didn't pull his kecks down, bend over, <laughs> moon everybody with a fuck the Premier League written all over his ass. That's the only thing I wasn't surprised with. But um, the scenes. Yeah, what craziness at the end, and I'll just say as well, Callum Wilson, the coolest player on the park. What a striker! What a lad! He's, he he had nothing but scraps all, you know, all game. He Call missed that me. header. He missed that header where he should have scored uh, last time out. Um, to come back, bang, have it. His reaction, thought, though. Um, yeah. Do you think they should change the rules? No, it's bloody marvellous. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love him. He's just he's just a, a, a cocky little bastard, and I think I think that's what you we, need to be. We, we, have, we haven't had a forward like that since probably Bellamy, uh, where he's cocky, but he can back it up, and I, I love that yeah. mate. Um, he's 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 a good team player as well. I do love I do love that we've signed a, a, a good centre forward in Wilson. But and um, some, some of the stuff that got said by Spurs supporters as well. Oh, you shouldn't say <laughs> against Greenland and this, that, and the other. I thought, oh, look at them grapes. Look at them sour grapes everywhere. But um, yeah, it, at the end of the day, it's a fantastic point, an awful performance, fantastic point for us. And at the end of the season, you know, it could a very be really, really point, good. Though. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if there is any Tottenham fans listening, I don't think there is. But if there is, I, I don't doubt doubt for a second. Tottenham deserved three points, one hundred percent. If we had lost, we had lost by seven or eight. I wouldn't have had any complaints. Um, I would have been a hell of a lot more negative about the result um, than I was at the end because it was just kind of a we've got hammered, but we've got a draw kind of lot. It was kind of a, it was kind of a banter game. <laughs> uh, we've yeah. we kind of got hammered for, for, 90, for 90 minutes and then you'll get, we'll nick a penalty like that. Um, but as Paul said before, you've got, they've got to take their chances. Um, they had seven or eight uh, where they've, they've, they've completely just missed the chance. And to be fair, if it weren't for Richie miscalculating the error, they wouldn't have scored the goal either. So do you know what I mean? Could have been worse for them? It, it, it could, it could have been worse for them, mate. Ah, oh, you're right. But, before we go on to um, Newport, the one thing I want to talk about is the is the start of the season because Newcastle sit ninth place in the Premier League table and um, we're four points and we're playing Newport on the Wednesday night for an opportunity to go into the last eight of the Carabao Cup. Now, if you'd, said, if you'd have said before the start of the season, you'll take four points from your first three games uh, in the league um, and then you'll be... With two you, away. With with uh, yeah exactly with two away games, and um and winning two games in the cup, you would have you would have took it. You would have been like yeah, yeah. spot on. But if you had predicted those games at the start of the season, you would have thought right, we'll get a we'll we'll get a draw off West Ham, we'll beat Brighton, and we'll we'll get beat off Tottenham. It's went this went completely the other way around. We played really well against West Ham, were shocking against Brighton, when were equally as bad against Tottenham, but we're luck came in. We're very lucky to get past Blackburn in the cup, and obviously we're, we're dispatched Markham quite comfortably. But I still think, even though we've had a relatively okay start of the season in terms, of if you if you look on the surface, if you delve deeper, a bit like last season, the wake up call still needs to happen for Newcastle. Bruce needs to realise the pennies dropped, and you're not going to get a miracle like that every week against Tottenham. You're not going to have the referee put in VAR pull you out the shit. If we keep playing like that. Burnley we'll, be found out. With, uh, we'll play Man U in a couple of weeks. They'll destroy with, with the attack they've got. 
you need to you need to knuckle down and you need to really sort sort it out, Bruce. Um, there's been two games where tactically you've got it wrong in terms of their uh, formations and the way we've p- pressed and stuff. Um, you mean Brighton? We we just weren't prepared. We didn't look prepared for that at all. We paid the price. And you look at you look you look at the Tottenham game. We played five at the back. And it still didn't work. We leaked so many chances. And if it weren't for your goalkeeper, you were lost by more than you did against Brighton. It's just a case of, of a reality check needed um, for Bruce. Because if we, if we don't learn the lessons now, it's going to be one hell of a long season, Paul. Um, a, a decent start by all accounts. If we get a shot at the quarterfinal, if we get past New, at Newport. Fantastic, which we should. You know, um, which we'll talk about in a second. But like... We've got to we've got to realise that we've got a, a really good chance of going on to seven points from from five four or five games four seven points from four games four, if we'll be yeah. Burnley at the weekend which would be a, a a good start for Newcastle, um but there is a lot of fortune in in that so far but you know Bruce if he keeps if we play like we did against West Ham and 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 really u- utilise our best players. I think we can still get through and have a decent season, but yeah. he needs to realise that the, the concerning factors of we're being too problematic defensively, him tactically not being prepared enough for certain games is going to bite one in the arse if he doesn't prepare more accordingly. Yeah, he's as, as well, he's got to uh, realise as well that the squad rebuilding isn't done. Yes, I understand that players need to leave and I think the likes of Atsu, Lazar, Henry Savé, uh, you know, Gedlin even. There's a long list of players who need to be shifted out who probably will go out. And then there's still imbalances because we happen to play a, a central uh, midfielder in defence, you know. Uh, we've let central defenders go out on loan. We're short in attack. We've let Mutu go out on loan. So there still needs to be a little bit of work here and there. Whether that's ship, shipping out four or five and bringing in two, you know, to some problem positions and trying to rebalance the squad because we can't afford the club like Newcastle to carry passengers and we've still got passengers on the books and then he needs to sort out the injury uh, situation with the likes of Matty Longstaff because Matty needs to be he needs to be involved he would be he would have been fantastic in a game like that yesterday just somebody there who's dogged who's like like a beaver he's everywhere he's gnawing away he's chomping away at the bit I would have loved to have seen the Matty in yesterday I really would I think he would have uh, helped us because Shelby at the moment, there's a player who needs to book his ideas up. You know, he can be a fantastic match winner. Um, and yeah, he was great in Harry Potter, but he hasn't been great so far this this season. So he needs to book, book his ideas up. Um, Sean sitting down on the bench, being very, very patient and stuff as well. Uh, but you're quite right. Get the recruitment right. Sort out a little bit more of the imbalance in the squad. We need probably some more attacking Um talent to be brought in and probably somebody else at the back who can maybe play centre-back and left-back or something like that um, or a specialist left-back maybe someone like um, <laughs> Jeffrey Williams, he'd be nice to be able to bring back in on another loan I would absolutely love that uh, but if can, sense. Yeah, if you can bring them players in um, get a little bit more stability and a little bit more style and substance in our play um then you know that 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 would be fine. But like you say, luck does run out. Last season, 
look at how many centre-backs scored goals and stuff like that. You can't, and we said at the time, you can't keep relying on that. Now, we've, no. we've got the striker, we've got the talent, you just need to find a system now to get it working, and we need to get ASM back and back in the team and looking a lot better than what he did against against Brighton. But yeah, huge opportunity, huge game against Newport coming up. Massive for Brucey. Don't cock this one up. It's a, it's a big chance because last season, I think we've said this on a previous podcast before, but his biggest failing as Newcastle manager thus far was the surrender against Man City in the quarterfinal of the FA Cup. If he gets yep. past Newport, um, which is going to be a, a much harder game than, than Morecambe, let's not kid ourselves, Newport are a much better team than Morecambe. Uh, no, did I say Morecambe are a much better team than Morecambe? Or did I say Newport? Newport are a no, much better than Newport. Uh, all right, okay. Newport are a much better team than Markham. They're a lot more physical. They're a lot more in your face, and they won't just lay down and roll over like uh, Markham did. Um, so it's going to be a much tougher uh, proposition. We're going to need to be a lot more on our toes for this game. Um, but it's a it's a shot of redemption for Bruce because, as I say, his biggest failing, in my opinion, as Newcastle manager, was that surrender against Man City, and he's got a chance to get Newcastle in the same stage as a competition as he did in that FA Cup last year. So you look at the likes of Tottenham, who are saying they kind of play their full strength. Um, you, you look around the opposition teams are not playing their full strength. Like Paul said in a previous podcast, this is an amazing chance for Newcastle to have a, a good cup run to maybe, get to, to maybe get to a semi-final or maybe even further, um, further than that. So Newcastle need to realise what kind of position that they're in. Um, because it's, it is, it's a chance at history. It's it is. huge. It's huge. I, I, I'm, I'm coming up to, to 40. It's nearly my 40th, which <laughs> sounds crazy to be saying. feels like two minutes ago I was at school. But in those 40 years, the Intertoto fucking cup and, <laughs> and the championship is not really what I had in mind when we were sitting there back in the day as a kid at comp and we were fighting out for the title and stuff like that. So it's opportunity like I say, for history, it is an opportunity. There's a path open there. None of the so-called bigger sides, the ones who've got the tit on about the takeover, are really taking this cup competition seriously. How can they? How can they play on a, on a Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday? It is impossible. I do agree with Mourinho. I know he's a whining bitch, but he is right on this one. So it's a fantastic opportunity. Um and and I just don't want us to go with the Ashley mentality of it's all right if we lose against one of the bigger teams as long as we don't lose by too many. I would rather go down swinging and fighting and aiming to win it than just go out cheaply or easily. So well, that's one thing I will give you know. Bruce credit for. He's always took the cups really seriously. Um, whether like, I know I know we surrendered against Man City, but he always played the strongest team. Um, and, he, and he still has done it the day, to be fair. Uh, he's played fairly strong teams against even the weaker sides. So that's one thing I think Bruce deserves a little bit of credit for on that because it could be that type of work ethic and that type of seriousness towards a competition such as this that could get way into the latter stages. And I know for a fact like he would have took over this job wanting a, wanting a shot to win a trophy with Newcastle because that's, that's his dream. And for... Uh, a, a, a local lad to, to win the FA Cup or to win the League Cup or win any cup with Newcastle must be some sort of dream and I think I think if he was to win a trophy Paul I think there'll be a, a, 
a very different mindset towards Bruce because you obviously have you have that. It'd be fucking he, he, typical. History maker. Yeah, he would. Yeah. History so maker. It, it, it's a real chance at a unique opportunity for Bruce because if we won a won a trophy, man, mm. um, the feel around the place would just be absolutely mental. I know they're talking about social distancing and stuff, but I don't think it would be very much a thing. <laughs> I think there'd be I think there'd be parties. Yeah, the it would definitely go up. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely not getting. I'm I'm not getting ahead of myself because I know if we it's draw a difficult big, game coming if up. if we if we draw big if if we obviously play Newport and they play well they could put one under pressure a bit like Oxford did and make it difficult for it and potentially get past with or even after ninety minutes it goes straight to penalties so you know it's a it, it is going to be a hard game we need to score the early goal. Uh, take them seriously, play as strong as a team as we can. Fraser didn't play, Maxman didn't play at the weekend, so I would, if the yeah, Andy Carroll will be back in, Clark will be back in. Fully expect them to start and really try and get get through, um, try and get a couple of early goals, make it comfortable, and yeah, hopefully we we'll get into the quarter final. But if we do, hopefully, it, like if we do draw a big team, the surrender isn't there again because if we if we go out, Paul of the cup, I want we're going out swinging. Because under the Ashley regime, there's been too many surrenders in this in these competitions. Yeah, because uh, so he's happy. To, he is, yeah, he's happy just to lose as long as it's not by too many. That is Ashley's uh, mantra. That's that's how he sees it. Just don't take a heavy defeat to to knock and rock. Uh, you know the Newcastle boat. But this is the if we're going to do it and take it seriously, this is the season. All it takes is for a Leicester to pull Man United say in the next round. I'm sure Leicester are out. I'm sure they went out the other night. Well, like I think Man United that they're probably the team will take it more more seriously because obviously Ollie's at the wheel and he needs to win trophies and stuff. Yeah, it only takes a couple of big teams, and I know the likes of Chelsea. They've got an, a, a fantastic squad. Can they draw again one one of the big boys and let us battle it out with a Fulham or a Brentford or somebody like that in the next round? We deserve a little bit of luck in the cup. We deserve some decent draws to to, to get us through. And um, you know, at the end of the day, if we win, which we should do against Newport, and we through to the next round, which I think is taking place just before Christmas, if we're reasonable in the league, and say we've got seven points by this weekend, if we can get it somewhere around about the twenty point mark ish, um, by the time you know the Christmas uh, fixtures and stuff are coming up then why not play your strongest team? Why not prepare for that game? Because like I say, football is about winning stuff. It's about trophies. It's about moments. It's about experiences. It's about, you know, I, you know, I remember the, the FA Cup finals like, like they were, uh, yesterday when we got to the two finals in, in successive years. Oh, yeah, I yeah. literally played them out in, in, in my mind. It is about that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, you, you just don't know. Another nice little cup uh, draw, you know, say a Fulham or somebody gets through, or like say a, a Brentford or anyone like that, draw them at St James's Park. You've got to fancy ourselves in that match. Then you through to a semi, which are over one, which are again in, in the new year when we've hopefully have, you don't know about the takeover. I know people go, oh, I did mention the takeover, but you don't mention about the takeover because that's rumbling in the background somewhere. It also gives us January then to do some more reinforcements, bring some more players in if we need to, shuffle the pack a little bit more. And you cross your fingers 
to one-legged semi-final into the final and anything can happen. That team of ours, this is the frustrating thing. We're capable of losing against anyone, but we're also capable of winning against anyone. If yeah, we've got that. and the consistency. The right that yeah. Do you know what I mean? So let's just take let's just take this cup game against Newport ultra seriously and give them every respect in the world. Like I was saying for the Morgan game, treat them with respect. Um, but and get the job done. Get the job done. Get it done early. I've got the feeling that likes of Andy Carroll will start the game. Uh, that would be a fantastic game for him to notch. Perfect opposition uh, for that physical, rugged approach. Uh, the likes of Kraft are going to be playing. Fernandez will probably play. Clark will be playing. Um, Sean Longstaff is going to be getting some minutes, isn't he? He's going to need some minutes. Um, and then the likes of Ryan Fraser, etc., etc. ASM if he's back fit. So, you know, I'm mentioning these players. That should be good enough, Kyle, to get the job done, no matter what. Play a formation that puts us on the front foot, gets us lots of possession. Our extra quality uh, should tell, not a few. And then you can afford the rest players in the second half. Be professional, see the job out, and let's get us through to the next round. Because like you say, and like you've said, this is an opportunity. It would be typical to Newcastle to win something when there can be no supporters inside the stadium. But I'm telling you now, if next, what, February, March time the final is, whenever it is, end of February, say, Newcastle fans would, would be there. So let's hope mm. to get a vaccine sorted out for this coronavirus before then. Because um, if ever a fan base deserves a little bit of something good, it is Newcastle United fans. I know I'm biased and stuff like that, but through the decades... We've suffered, and we're still suffering with performances like uh, the Spurs game. But um, we're capable if we take it seriously. Yeah, we've that, got to, mate. Because do. I'm just looking at who they've beat. Uh, they beat Watford, who played a fairly second-string team, but they also beat Swansea in the first in the first round of the cup as well. So they've beat teams in divisions higher. So it's got. We've got to have the same mentality as we did against Morgan. Uh, we've got to get an early goal. We've got to we've got to keep pushing as well. We kind of just sit off them. It needs to be a professional clinical job, just like it was against Morgan. Although it is a harder team to play against, they haven't lost this season. Have new no, um, yeah, they beat Bolton. Um, but yeah, we've got a we've got a, a professional job is needed and a strong team, I think. And hopefully, we've got a second shot of uh, being in the quarterfinal of a cup, which would be nice to see. But um, unless you've got anything to add, mate, we're hitting towards the hour mark. Uh, but I don't think we've got any. <laughs> I don't think we've got uh, anything else to to mention regarding the preview or re- review of the top. No, game. just thanks again for all your continued support on the podcast. That's going really well across all the pages and stuff. Well, we've had a big jump up in numbers recently. We smashed the five thousand which is beyond our wildest dreams, probably for even the end of this season. We didn't think we'd get where, you know, where we are uh, right now. So thank you for everybody's support, kind words, messages. It does mean a heck of a lot. And the fact that you, uh, you know, come to ourselves for the football news, views, banter, opinions, magnum jokes and all that sort of thing. So yeah, uh, please continue. Yeah, 100%. I mean, we'll just hit... Five thousand across the board uh, yesterday, which is a it's a it's a lovely number for it to hit. We didn't expect to get anywhere near that this year. We would have been happy with a fifth of that um, by the end of the first year. We didn't think that we didn't think five thousand people even uh, liked what we did or anything like that. But the the more views that come, the the the, the more grateful. And five thousand in about three months. 
uh, yeah, it's it's an unbelievable achievement. We're just so so happy that in these twenty one podcasts that we've done, in all the posts that we'll put up on on social media and the YouTube videos that we've now started to do through a through a little bit of a spin off with uh, more to come on that one in the next come in the coming months. But like the support on everything has been has been absolutely fantastic. And we'll kind of thank you quite enough for it. But um more things in the pipeline as well. It, it, exactly. So we'll stop being soppy and we'll we'll end it there, right. Paul. Um episode <laughs> twenty one has been it has been a blast as always just shooting the breeze about the football and our lucky Newcastle work the weekend. But hopefully uh, Newport on the Wednesday and Burnley, which we'll do a preview for for after the the Newport game. Hopefully, we will get three points against Burnley at the weekend as well, and we're in the quarter final. But um, nice. that's it from us. Uh, hope you enjoy your week in regards to what you're doing, whether it be work or whatever. Um, but uh, we'll catch you on the next podcast of Magpie Twenty Four Seven, and uh, yeah, we'll catch you all in a bit. <laughs>